So welcome back to Let Christy Take a Podcast on a very special occasion, our first birthday. Derek, we got to a year. We got to a year and episode 56, this is. So 56 episodes all stemming from having a few scoops in a pub. Some of the best ideas come from alcohol, unfortunately. So the first episode of Let Christy Take It was released on the 4th of August, 2020. And we've just grown from strength to strength. Yeah, and when, when we recorded our first episode, little did we know the great feedback we get and the acts that we spoke to and the episodes coming up that we've already haven't released and future interviews. So it's from little steps, we made these joint strides and we're very grateful to you all for all the feedback and we hope you can keep you with us. Yeah, and as Kieran said, we you know we, we just were flabbergasted at the amount of people and, and the, the calibre of people that we've been able to get on the show and uh, long may it continue. And this week is no different. Yeah, so, this week, Chesney Hawks. We were yeah. really happy when Chesney said he'd come on. And such a nice guy. You know, the, the, the questions were easy, the flow. I think he was a little bit uh, kind of standoffish at the start, but then he just warmed up and got right into it. So I, I, he was very, very honest about the highs and the lows of the industry. Um, you know, when you're at the highs of the industry, you know, everyone's your friend, but literally within 12 months, as as you'll hear during the interview, he we, we talk about um uh, the smash hits poll winners party where he was absolutely just uh, basically just uh, destroyed. Yeah, and something you wouldn't get away with now because of all the awareness of mental health. I mean, the Olympics is on at the moment, and you're seeing athletes pulling out events because they feel their mental health isn't up to it. So some of the mental health issues that Chesney would have went through because of that sheer like tormenting and based on the hit, I am the one and only a one trick pony. Really knocked him. Uh, quite an eye open interview, and we hope you enjoy. So here we are with the one and only Mr. Chesney Hawks. Welcome to the Let Christy Take It podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This is great. No, listen, thank you. And we'll just jump straight in. What was life like for a young Chesney Hawks? Uh, gosh, crazy, I guess. I mean, I grew up in a very rock and roll household. So, uh, you know, my parents were very, I don't know how you put this, liberal i guess <laughs> they, you know they all their friends were rock and rollers and uh, they were all kind of like partying all over the place and me, me and my brother and sister we used to have to kind of like get up for school and you know step over sleeping musicians sleeping in inverted comma musicians <laughs> to get to our cornflakes or whatever um so and then and then of course when it when it all kicked off for me i was only 19 uh so i didn't really know what was going on i just kind of went with the flow it was it's like being in the eye of a storm you know um it was like six seven countries a day sometimes and uh, uh it was madness and I, I look back on it now and see you know old footage of me with the long hair and and everything i just it's almost like looking at a, a cartoon character you know <laughs> Do you recognize both your parents? You mentioned both your parents were in, you know, the entertainment industry. Yes. Were you destined for show business? Well, dad always says I came out singing. So, uh, I mean, I think in a way, yes, because I mean, I really do think it was part of my blood anyway. But, um, you know, they say, is it nature nurture? I think I had both. So uh, I, I never uh, remember wanting to do anything else but music. Uh, so I... You know, I, I made a record when I was nine years old. So, and I was playing gigs at, um, as early as like thirteen, and 
you know, I was, I was, I was a piano man in, in like bars and pubs and uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs at the age of 14, 15. So, I mean, you know, the only other job I ever had was Paperboy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was actually Billy Ocean's Paperboy. How about that? <laughs> I, don't suppose you have a con I don't suppose you have a contact for Billy Ocean, do you? <laughs> I do actually. It's weirdly enough, I'm it's full circle. I'm now with the same manager. Oh, excellent. <laughs> okay, so in fairness, you mentioned that your dad was a, a musician. He was in the band of Tremolos, and they had some cracking tunes. Uh, Chesney, what was one of your favourites? I mean, I grew up listening to the Tremolos. You know, the first gig I ever went to, and I was, you know, standing behind the the wings there, looking at my dad with his long flowing hair and. Uh, knickers being thrown at him and stuff and they always wore leather trousers i never understood that i tried it once at a gig never again <laughs> don't little tip don't go on stage with leather trousers anyway so i think even at that young age i i i knew that's what i wanted to do you know what i mean even kind of coming backstage after the gig and they're all sweaty and then a couple of fans come in and it was just like oh this is what i want to do this is my life you know um favorite tremolo song gosh so many um, me and my life. Here comes my baby. Um, Science is golden is obvious an obvious choice because it's just such a beautiful song and those four part harmonies. Me and my brother and sister uh, have known all of those harmonies and done those harmonies at certain gigs over over the years. You know what I mean? So uh, I grew up like even playing piano uh, for 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 dad um, at certain gigs. You know we'd play it like you know, workingman's clubs or stuff like that when I was you know, a teenager and my brother would be on drums, I'd be on keyboards. My old mate, Gary Nuttall, who now plays for Robbie Williams, funny enough, it was, uh, was the guitar player. So, you know, we grew up with those songs. I mean, they're all, they're all great. I, I love all of their songs. And Chesley, you, you eventually turned to acting and in 19, you made your film debut in the, well, I think film debut in the film's buddy song with Roger Daltrey playing your dad. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, I was so young. I mean, that was like 17 when I got that part. Um, so I'd never acted before. The only reason I even auditioned for it is because I knew it was like a music based thing. And I thought maybe I, there's a chance I could get a record deal out of this. <laughs> really, that was the only reason I did it. Um, and of course, you know, big fan of The Who. So I was, I was thinking it would be great to meet Roger. Um, uh, it was it was a great experience. Really, really hard work. Um but it was, you know, I got the chance to write songs uh, for, for the soundtrack because uh, it's a very musical-based film, but, you know, it's about a young boy who's a musician um, and he writes songs about, you know, his life and the parents were getting divorced and, uh, you know, it's a coming-of-age kind of musician's uh, film. So it was like, it was basically me, you know. I mean, my in the film, Roger, who plays my dad, he actually managed uh, the band that... that buddy was in and at the time my dad was managing me so it, you know there were so many similarities it was weird it, even the the character that played my mum was called carol which is my mum's name so it's just it was bizarre we filmed in um slough britwell estate a lot of it um and my dad grew up at the britwell estate so it was almost like written in the stars it was meant to be that i think you know was that a TV series before it was a film show i remember being on bbc as like a children's show well, am i wrong no, you're not wrong. Uh, it was. That's where it started. Um, Roger actually starred in that as well. And a young young man called uh, Wayne Goddard played Buddy back then. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they decided to make a feature film. And, uh, you know, I got cast in that one. And then after that, um, they they took it to stage and uh, became a musical. 
And uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Bob Golding, uh, played buddy for that. So it's funny, all us three buddies, we, we, we kind of know each other now. We're mates. <laughs> the three buddies, it sounds like a film, doesn't it? <laughs> Sometimes you buddy Holly's music inspired a whole generation. Call this Chuck Berry, Buddy Ollie. What about Jeremy Lewis and Little Richard? Now it's all happening again in Buddy Song. Say, Mama, don't you look that way. Roger Daltrey is the dad who's still a kid at heart. And Chesney Hawks is Buddy. The road's dark and empty. I'm walking alone. So the, the, the big song, the one and only, written by the unbelievably talented Nick Kershaw. I mean, Seven Karen have both seen Nick Kershaw live over the years. Um, it was number one for weeks. Did you know the first time you heard that song like that it was going to be special? Well, as I said, I was so young at the time. When we were f- recording that album, I was only 18, and uh, I was a huge Nick Kershaw fan as a kid. Uh, growing up, Human Racing still in my top five records. I, uh, you know, it's, it, He's, as you say, an un- amazingly talented um, jewel in the crown, I think. You know, underrated because people don't know. Is, that's all it is. You know, and you've seen him live, so you get it. You understand. He's an Im- just immense gu- guitar player, like ridiculously good um and his songwriting is just so unique and uh, i've learned so much from him over the years um but when i first heard that song my dad had found it uh, because he knew nick's publisher and he brought a cassette at the time nick was taking a sabbatical from being like a pop star he wanted to you know make it into writing for other artists and um i still got that cassette do you remember those (laughs) and uh it had like 15 songs on it, uh, and the one and only was one of them. And there was another song called Oxygen, I remember. Another one called I'm in Love With My TV. I remember I'd uh, asterisked on the one and only and Oxygen. And, uh, you know, it's funny that I still have it, you know. But, I mean, I, I always liked the song. Funnily enough, nobody in the team wanted to do it because there was a huge team involved, way too many cooks. It was like the director of the film, the producer of the record, the record label, my management, the film product producers and everything. And um, nobody wanted to do an outside song because we'd kind of kept it all in-house. I'd written some songs and, and um, you know, not even Roger wanted to do it really, to be honest with you. And I, I was just, the only reason, well, the biggest uh, kind of reason that I wanted to do it was because I wanted to meet Nick. <laughs> and uh I was a bit disappointed, you know, but but the, in the end, um, my A and R man uh, called Dad, and he was like, "Yeah, you might have something here. Actually, I've been listening to the song over the weekend." He said, hey, "Let's get the boys' vocal on it, shall we?" You know. <laughs> so the next week, I actually I got to meet Nick, and uh, you know, and we recorded it. And uh, God, the rest is history, isn't it? It was pretty meteoric after that. In, in fairness, whenever he plays it, he always, you know. He, he talks, he mentions Chesney Hawks, you know, and he, I seen him live doing a, an acoustic uh, yeah. concert and his performance was just he's spectacular. Mm. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He really is. I mean, I mean, Nick and I have been friends, you know, for over 30 years now and written so many songs. There's countless amounts of songs over the years. You know, um, I was lucky enough to work with him from an early age. So I learned so much from him. I mean, he, he's he's kind of quirky as a songwriter. He writes, he has these weird things that he does, like he'll start with a chorus, because obviously Nick Kershaw chorus is always like, you know, amazing and anthemic. And he kind of writes backwards and he says, how would it feel, you know, 
how would we get into this chorus? And that's like the most important thing. So you, so you kind of work back to the pre-chorus and then it feels great going into the chorus, but then you think, okay, so how do we get, you know, into the pre-chorus? And so we write the verse. So he literally almost writes in reverse sometimes. That's sometimes, you know, it's just one little tip. Uh, and it really is amazing. And, and that is why a lot of Nick Kershaw songs um, are so complicated because they, you know, they go from key to key. I mean, no, if you're not a musician, you, you wouldn't know um, that the one and only is in four different keys. It's actually a very complicated a little pop song you know and most pop songs are three, three chords and the truth you know but uh, but Nick's songs uh, are not quite like that <laughs> As you mentioned, you were very young when you were you burst onto the scene, and, and you literally burst onto the scene. You were everywhere. How did you, as a young man, handle that level of fame so quickly or so young? Well, I'd witnessed it through my whole childhood. To be honest with you, you know, with my dad, my da dad's best mates were like Jerry Marsden from Jerry and the Pacemakers and Searchers, the, the Marmalade. Um, you know, they, he was always hanging out with Radio One DJs like Mike Reed and. Um, you know, there was kind of famous people around me a lot. Um, so I kind of, it wasn't weird for me, if you know what I mean. It's like, I, it, I was almost like, it wasn't a groomed, but I mean, it was like, I'd seen it. So it wasn't an, uh, kind of an alien concept for me, if you know what I mean. Uh, and it's also what I always wanted. Um, not famous such, but to, to, to make records. That's what I wanted to do with my life is to, you know, song, songwriting and singing. And so. So when it eventually came around, I think I probably did lose it a little bit, you know, uh, as anyone would, because it's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, one minute I was playing pubs and, and next minute I, I got girls camping outside our house and I'm playing arenas and, uh, you know, it's pretty wild. Um, the kind of change of life style like that. But, but I had, a, you know, my brother, my younger brother was the drummer in my band right from the early days and, and all the way through that crazy period. And, you know, if I became big headed or, or <laughs> at all kind of uh, precocious, he, he would bring me, you know, straight back down to the ground. You know, first of all, I, I was used to fame. And then also I had a good family, uh, you know, that, that had been through it and could kind of keep, give me good advice. You know, as I remember dad always says, just don't believe any of the hype because this is all bullshit and it doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. And, and I, I, I kind of held that close to my heart all the way through, really. Yeah. And so yourself and Derek always lament the demise of Top of the Pops. We grew up in an area like yourself, Chesney, where it was tours night. It was a staple in the house. And what was it like appearing on Top of the Pops? Well, uh, I'm the same age as you guys. So I, I, I completely grew up with Top of the Pops and it was a religious experience for me every week, Thursday night, Top of the Pops, you know, we had, it had to be done. You know, I was a huge um, chart buff. I I'd always listened to the charts on a Sunday night, you know. Um, so when I, you know, when the record started to do really well and I, I thought, oh my God, I think they're going to ask me to do Top of the Pops. I, I, in my head, I thought I'd made it. That was it. You know, it's like, that is the pinnacle for me. You're doing Top of the Pops. But when it actually came time to doing it, um, 
It was a little bit disappointing, to be fair. I, you know, you always when you grow up, you're watching Top of the Pops, and it's like it looks like a massive party, doesn't it? There's loads of people there, everyone's going crazy and seeing their favourite pop stars and everything else. When you get there, you realise that it's all manufactured, really. Like you're on the stage, uh, and there's like they kind of gather a, a little crowd of you know people from the canteen or you know runners and BBC, and it's like they kind of pack them into this little kind of space there and and they ask them to go crazy uh, but it's really not a crowd it's like just a handful of people really so and I remember thinking you know it was a big day for me because I was doing Top of the Pops and that was great and I remember at the time just thinking oh this is, this is not what I imagined and then I also had these thoughts in my head like oh my god everyone's going to kind of get together afterwards in the bar and I'm going to go and you know I'm going to go and have a beer with Howard Jones or something you know <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> and uh, of course I was so busy I went straight from that to you know I think straight to the airport and went off to Germany or something like that and and it was like you know oh well that's that then <laughs> Top of the Pops done <laughs> tick Next. But Chesney, after the success of uh, the one and only you released I'm a Man, Not a Boy, and I also cracked the top 30, but subsequent singles didn't make that much of an impact, which would be difficult as of such a smash hit. Could you feel the mood of the public kind of moving away from you? Uh, I remember having a meeting with my manager, Bill Kerbishley, who also managed The Who at the time. Um, and uh, when we were flying up the charts, it got to number five, and it looked like it was probably going to go number one the week afterwards. He we had the team in his in his office you know and he said guys i really hope this is not a number one <laughs> and of course me i was like what are you fucking crazy that's what i've always dreamed of you know uh, but in hindsight he was probably right he, he was like you know realizing there's going to be a little difficult to follow um it's not that I felt uh, the public turning against me or anything like that i did i mean I, I was quite pragmatic about it i felt like I was probably overexposed, you know, um, it was such a massive record. Um, and obviously since it's become like an iconic record, which is weird, <laughs> um, that, it, you know, it was always going to be difficult to follow. Um, you know, a second single is not going to do that. I mean, unless you had another one and only, you know, it's like, it was just one of those things i don't have any regrets uh at all um to those days i probably if i went back probably do things slightly differently maybe choose a different single for a second release maybe hold back on some of the promotion that i did through the one and only because i was literally on everything you know um ah, but but I, i'm glad to have been through the ups and downs of the business um and and life and uh you know i'm i'm very very happy with where i am now i'm able to make the music that i want to make i've got a new album coming out this summer nick's still involved i've got there's three songs i've written with nick uh, uh on this album which is very exciting um you know i'm married beautiful three kids uh everything's great to be honest with you it's uh you know i look back on on that those days and i, I think i'm kind of glad it didn't carry on in that kind of um you know fame because who knows what would have happened i definitely wouldn't have met my wife uh uh, I, I could have ended up being a bit, uh, you know, it's a different person even, you know what I mean? Is that having not experienced those lows, um, you, you don't have so much perspective in a way, you know? Do you feel though, Chesney, that you were treated a little bit unfairly at the time? I mean, I, I can remember there was one, I think it was the Smash Hits award show. Yeah. And I'm not saying who was, who was presenting it, but they were, they were, I remember it vividly. I mean, even at the time, I don't know what it was. I was old enough to know that what they were doing was wrong. 
well, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I feel I definitely that was a bit of a that was a really low moment for me. Um, not only because of what they were doing and saying, um, but there were people that I'd worked with. You know, the presenter that you were talking about there. Uh, I just thought you dick. You know, mm. I. I've I've sat and had a drinks with you and and we've been re- kind of friends you know and then and then you just go along with the flow you know you don't you don't stand up for someone who 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 has been nothing but nice to you uh, so yeah there were moments like that particular moment was was tough that was tough yeah for sure yeah, we bounce back and you know but well you, I mean that's the thing you have to and I'm, I'm a quite resilient person and uh, that you know thank goodness so you know dust yourself off and and right what can we do now and you know after the whole time of the one and only I was like okay right well I'm a songwriter I'm a singer obviously proven that I can do well so let's do this again so I you know formed different bands I mean through the 90s I was like I wanted to be in Radiohead so I just turned up to 11 and and uh you know shoegazed and if anyone asked for the one and only I told them to bugger off so <laughs> yeah and funny you mentioned actually it was going to lead into my next question that you, you kind of removed yourself away from and distance from the one and only but you've come back to it and kind of treat with respect it deserves now yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I was, got to about 2000 and I hadn't pl- even played as me. I, ha- I had different bands, with, you know, over the years uh, and I never went out as Chesney Hawks. And um, then kind of early 2000s, I, I got a call or my management got a call from um, a student union in uh, Lincoln and uh, Nottingham. And they wanted me to come and play at the student union. Uh, and I was very apprehensive about it because i just thought oh god it's been 10 years since the one and only no one's going to you know the kids these kids are in university they're not going to bloody they were like 10 when it came out you know they're not going to remember it um so i was a bit apprehensive but i thought oh fuck it i'll try it i'll give it a go you know and um i was really nervous backstage actually because you could hear like you know all this kind of house music through the walls i thought oh god i'm I'm going out there with an acoustic guitar you know what i mean it's like they're gonna fucking hate me and and I was introduced and I walked out on stage and it was mental. I mean, people had pictures of me on their T-shirts and I, I mean, banners. And it was almost better than it was before. You know, what I didn't know uh, was that the song or the track uh, had been kind of passed down like some kind of mantle, uh, you know, and it became over the years a student anthem. So... You know, in a way, uh, and, and I, I never look back from then on. Uh, you know, I, I, one and only. If I don't, if I do a gig without the one and only, it's very, very rare. <laughs> um, I have done it now and again, but, but yeah, I, I, I as you say, I respect it. Um, we've had our ups and downs. We fell out for a while. Uh, we got back together, and now we're like friends with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> but I, as you know, I love that. I think it stands up as a record i think the song is amazing um for whatever reason that the stars aligned when we recorded it and i think i think it still stands up as a as a great record so i'm proud of it and i'm proud of what it did over over the years it's kind of gone off and you know i call it a song with wings it's one of those that's kind of it makes its own stories and connections and uh you know, I've had some incredible stories come t- to me from from the song, from you know people playing it at their weddings and even f- funerals. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of humbling, and you, I, I think after all these years, I you almost kind of like give up um, the ownership of, of of a record like that, and you realise it actually doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the people that 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 it has affected and and that have emotions towards it, and you know, with something in their lives. 
Yeah, it's funny because I was speaking to people today and a wide range from teenagers to older people. And I said, oh, I'm speaking to Chesney Hawks tonight. Every single one went, I am the one. Yeah. So yeah, across the board. Oh, there's not many singers can say that, Chesney, that they can hit that way demographic. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was kind of ironically named in a way, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you keep working. As you said, you're recording a new album and you're appearing on TV shows and musicals. What, what keeps you going? What motivates you? Music. I still love it. <clears throat> I still have that um, drive for it. You know, it still, it still picks me up in the morning. Um, it, you know, it, it's been my, my biggest love, really, apart from my wife and kids, of course. Um, I, I live and breathe music. Um, I couldn't not do it, you know, even if I tried. Um, and believe me, there were times, <laughs> you know, so, so I love doing it. I love writing songs. I love performing. Um, and, you know, so I, so I carry on, you know, and uh, this new album, I'm really, really proud of it. It's, uh, it's with a guy called Jake Gosling, who's uh, produced it. He, he um, discovered Ed Sheeran and, produ he's, uh, you know, he's produced all sorts of huge stars over the years. And I, I brought in my old mate Nick and uh, we wrote a few songs together with Jake. And, uh, and it's all going to be coming out very soon. So it's very exciting. Yeah. And um, we've seen you over the last, well, last couple of years, you were saying performing live and getting the crowd's reaction. And we, we've looked at some of the footage of you, you know, the Rewind Festival and the Let's Rock, the, the online thing you did with your son. What, what's it like? It must be brilliant, even now after all these years, to see the crowd giving yeah. it back to you. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as soon as you play the intro to the one and only, you you feel the energy change. Like everything just goes, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's amazing, really. To, to have a song like that up your sleeve is just remarkable because, you know, I mean, if you're having a mediocre gig, you pull that one out and suddenly a great gig. It's just it's the way it is. So, I mean, I'm very lucky to have a song like that. I, I realise that and I'm very grateful, um, you know, for it too. So yeah, it, it is. It is quite, uh, especially on a massive crowd like those ones you were talking about, like the you know the festivals when you play like fifty thousand people, and as soon as you started up, I mean, it's, they'd start to jump, you know, and it's just it's an amazing feeling. It's really amazing. And what's it like to have your son playing with you? Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, he's an incredible guitar player. I mean, he's only fifteen. I mean, he's only been playing a year, but literally within two weeks of picking up a guitar, he was playing uh, Prince solos. He, he is phenomenal, honestly. I, I, I mean, I know he's my son and everything, and I'm kind of slightly biased, but his, his kind of trajectory um, in musicianship is, is really sublime. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so sh shocked sometimes when I, I walk into his room and he's, you know, just perfectly doing like the Bohemian Rhapsody solo or, or whatever he's doing. And he's writing now as well. And he's like putting his own stuff out. And I mean, I'm so proud of him. He's, he's, uh, he's they say that. The stone doesn't fall very doesn't fall very far from the tree. <laughs> the stone. I, I probably said that wrong, but you know what I mean. It's an apple, Derek. It's an apple. The apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. <laughs> no wonder you haven't got toot in your head. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good job it wasn't stone because Isaac Newton would have had a hard, hard day. That <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd like to say we'll edit that out, but we won't. Nah, you gotta <laughs> keep it. That's great. <laughs> Ches, I have to ask you a bit. In Ireland, we have this show called The Late Late Show, and yeah. you appeared on the Valentine's Night Special, yeah. which is known for being crazy and bedlam. And you looked a little bit taken aback by the crowd. And I remember you, you did say to them, I'll meet you in the green room. Did you ever meet them in the green room? And did you survive? 
Oh, I, it was, it was, what do you call it? The crack was, was, <laughs> it was mad that night. I was up all night. I mean, it was just crazy because they had a lot of the people from the crowd um, come back. Uh, and we were all staying uh, in the hotel that, that some of the people that have come in, you know, to the crowd were in as well. And it was just a great, great party atmosphere. It was really, really fun that day. I, I you know, I mean, I love coming to Ireland anyway, but that particular show, I mean, the, the great people involved in the production, you can tell, can't you? Because it's so, like, uplifting and everything. And and uh, and the same kind of energy came from playing the song. I was just like, whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> and I know, it was great. Yeah, I, I, I was up drinking all night, that one. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, so we'll go back to the album. You've recently recorded a new album, Sunset Sessions. Can you tell us about how the album came together? Well, that one, um, it's it's actually an EP. It's, a, it's an acoustic EP. And um, I started to, through lockdown, and a lot of artists were doing this, um, I started um, recording acoustically. And I, I got kind of obsessed with literally being very pure with, with recording. So it's like literally just one instrument, one voice. You know, so I, I started recording like just me and a guitar or me and a piano. Um, and then I... I invite some some friends in, so I got Nick, um, and Nick and I did an old song of ours called uh, "Lost in You," um, where you know we just did it together, and uh, and then I wrote a song with my wife called "It's Not Like This with Other People," a little love song, <laughs> and uh, we recorded that and uh, and did a little video as well, and we were putting them on YouTube, um, and some of the some of the fans were you know have been asking you know since then you know are you going to make these available uh, you know on streaming services and stuff like that so i thought well why not i'll make it into an ep you know so i added a few new ones that people hadn't heard um, and uh, made a little you know little four track ep which which is actually we started releasing it already but as of as of this friday is is fully out yeah so and i called it the sunset sessions uh, <laughs> i don't know why because i guess I, I, I me and my wife have been uh, um doing this thing uh, uh, now and again where we we go and climb onto the roof of our of our house and uh, you know have a glass of wine and watch the sunset and i think that's where it all came from And do you want to tell us a bit about the new album you're working on, Chesney, at the moment? Yes, uh, the new album, um, I'm not allowed to tell you the title of it yet. I've, I've been, I'm chomping at the bit to get it out there, but I can't tell you yet because uh, uh, my management will kill me. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's a song, it's a, it started with one song um, that I, I wrote with an old friend of mine, Jake Gosling, uh, who, as I told you earlier on, he's the guy who discovered Jake Sheeran, um, Jake Sheeran, what am I like, who discovered Ed Sheeran and, and he's worked with, you know, uh, Harry Styles and Sam Smith and I mean, all these people, he's amazing. And him and I have known each other for years because his parents knew my parents and we were having a beer at one point and he said, uh, why don't we just like, I've always wanted to work with you it's for some, you know, we'd, we'd written songs for other people, but he, he said, let's do something for you as an artist. I, so I thought, okay. So we wrote, we got together and we wrote this one song and it was so great and it's such a great vibe. Um, and we literally did it all within a few hours. And, and, you know, at the end of that session, Jake just turned around to me and said, 
I think we need to do an album together, Ches. I was like, I think you're right, Jake. So, so we we just kind of got together whenever I could in between, you know, Jake's ridiculously busy busy schedule, uh, and we we managed to write this whole album. I got friends in, as I said, I got Nick Kershaw in, my old mate Charlton Pettis, who's the uh, guitarist with Tears for Fears, who wrote a song with us, um, and and we pushed the boundaries of styles as well i mean jake had me bloody rapping at one point i know that sounds like you're gonna put you off but <laughs> but he really pushed me you know into kind of new styles and new new directions he's quite kind of you know he works with all these young artists so he's kind of like got his finger on the pulse of like the fresh sounding uh, records so i feel like because of that this record is actually quite a fresh sounding record it's uh, you know it's still you know um my kind of songwriting is guitar based pop um but I'm really proud of it. It's quite a cathartic album. I, I've been writing about all sorts of uh, stuff that needed to come out. You know, I guess when you get to our age, boys, you know, it's stuff you got to deal with certain things, haven't you? So just so you can move past them. Um, so there's a few there's a few songs on on the, the album that are you know are, are quite heavy and uh, uh, but beautiful as well because because it meant you know I needed to get some kind of emotion out and uh, so yeah that all comes out pretty soon look out for that one. <laughs> Great. We, okay. Cool. As I was going to say, can we expect to see it sometime this year? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Oh, it's coming out this summer. Oh, brilliant. I actually think the release date of the album is twenty uh, seventh of August, but we're going to put like um, you know some singles out before that, maybe in July, even as soon as July. Yeah, I mean, we only put this uh, Sunset Sessions um, EP out to right now to kind of they call it to tickle the Spotify algorithm. <laughs> if you don't release for years, like uh, Spotify, just think you're not you know a working artist anymore. So it kind of it changes the algorithm when you start to kind of release stuff so i know it's weird I, I don't really understand all that stuff but you know you, you take advice from management <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and should we expect to see chesney hawks tour the unnamed or untitled album anytime soon <laughs> yes absolutely i've already got gigs in the book um i'm actually coming to ireland with the uh let's rock festival i think uh when is that july maybe um yeah, yeah we yeah. think it's for the one does does two there's one in belfast and there's one just outside dublin so at the yeah, moment we've won, we've won for tickets outside Dublin. So um, hopefully okay. you go ahead. But we yeah. did interview Pat Sharp recently in the last couple of weeks, and he uh, said, "Give us a shout, lads." <laughs> <laughs> I do love Pat, man. Yeah. He's so great. We we have a question, Chesney, that we ask our guests, and it's it's you know it's it's last call at the last chance saloon, and you have a pound or I don't know a quarter in your pocket, and you get to play one last song. It's the last song you're ever going to play. What's the last song Chesney Hawks will play? I was I, when when I heard this question coming up, I was I was thinking to myself, I wonder if they would be able to guess it. That's <laughs> <laughs> the other put it back on us, Chesney. Nobody's ever yeah, done that. I mean, I will tell it's you. Brilliant. But I mean, if done research uh, on me, which I know you have, or you've, I'm sure you have a huge team of researchers behind <laughs> this great production here. <laughs> Well, well, I can give you a clue. I can see him behind you, Kieran. Well, that's obviously one of the Beatles. When we say him, so he said him, so I'm thinking John Lennon. Yeah. Uh, imagination. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, Guess it, it in one go. Yeah. Uh, you gave us a good clue, though. Yeah, the reason I choose that uh, song is because it was the first song I ever learned to play on the piano. Um, and 
it's it's rare that I do a gig where I don't play a little bit of it. It's kind of like one of those little lucky rabbits foot for me, you know. I, I still think it's the most honest, beautiful song ever written. Um, he apparently, when he wrote it, uh, he thought it was like too childish and, and uh, he thought the lyrics were a little bit too, you know, hopeful and uh, I don't know, he, apparently he wasn't convinced it was like a you know the big hit that it actually obviously became and he was talked into it would you believe so i just think some of those some of these records that that nearly weren't like the one and only for instance you know it's like you just it could it might not have happened you know the team just said no i've been all right well i guess we're not doing it you know Mm -hmm. and you know imagine could have just been like a bootleg or something that never got released properly you know it's amazing really isn't it great choice chesney well, that's the song that we'll we'll play out on Chesney and to just want to say for myself and Kieran, we were delighted that you decided to come on. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I did enjoy it very much, boys. It was it was a really nice interview. I appreciate your time, and thanks for having me on. Say